comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Action Lab Podcast uh, for June 2014. I'm your host, Jim Deeds. How you doing? And uh, we have a lot of stuff going on this, uh, this month at Action Lab. A lot of things to let you in on and a lot of things to talk about. So let's not waste any time. Uh, but before I get to that, I just wanted to let you all know the, uh, the interviews this uh, episode. Two very special creators from Action Lab. Um, we have uh, Jeremy Holt, uh, writer and creator of Southern Dog, our, our new... Um, Southern Fried Deliverance Influenced Werewolf book on the Danger Zone side. And on the Action Lab side, we have had the uh, distinct pleasure of speaking to Mr. Martheus Wade, um, creator not only of Jedi Tales of the Tashigawa, which is available uh, through Comixology uh, uh, from Action Lab, but also the the new book Shinobi Ninja Princess, um, which is uh, number one that is available in the previews uh, catalog this month. Well, the kudos keep coming in for Action Lab books, and especially uh, Jeremy Whitley's Prince Lust. Uh, this, um, in the past uh, couple weeks, not only has uh, Comic Book Resources mentioned as one of the best uh, feminist comics available on the racks, but uh, librarians uh, uh, interviewed for the Chicago Tribune uh, in a survey uh, chose Prince Lust as a recommended su- summer reading selection. So if you haven't checked out Prince Lust, you really should, if you, you know, if you're overwhelming uh uh, acclaim and, 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 and critical uh, kudos it keeps getting are not enough to convince you then uh, maybe just to get the, a 99 cent uh, uh, digital um, edition of Princeless and check it out see if it's your cup of tea uh, it's really great stuff though and uh, I, I, I'm not the only one who thinks so a lot of other people do including the librarians of Chicago <laughs> and uh, columnists for comic book resources so congrats to uh, Jeremy and the, the crew over at Princeless for more kudos Speaking of Jeremy, um, as I record this, Heroes Con will be uh, happening just about the time uh, this podcast uh, comes out. In fact, uh, you might want to download this to listen to on the you know the drive down there on the flight because uh, it'll be coming out just a few days before Heroes Con starts. But if you are there for Heroes Con and you are hearing my voice, then you, my friends, are in for a treat because several of our Action Lab creators are appearing at Heroes Con, signing books, selling books. Uh, pressing the flesh, doing commissions on the, in the cases of artists, uh, in the case of artists, and uh, you know just basically having a, a great time and carousing uh, down at HeroesCon. I, I had the pleasure of going last year; it, it was a great time. And I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to make it down this year, 
But uh, if you are happen to be down there, you can meet Brockton McKinney from M Theory. Uh, you can meet Jeremy Whitley, who we just referenced uh, when we were talking about Princeless. Uh, you can meet Chad Ciccone, creator, artist of uh, Fracture and several other really cool things. Um, ask him about his Night of the Living Dead pinball machine commission he just did. That was a pretty awesome piece of art. Um, and a, a lot of other of our action led people will be down there, but those are the ones that are confirmed so far. If you follow us on Twitter, which you really should, at Action Lab or at Action Lab Danger, um, two separate feeds for the two separate uh, houses of Action Lab. Um, follow us there, and we will give you all the updates from Heroes Con. We'll be uh, Jeremy and Kelly Dale will also be down there. Uh, Jeremy Dale of, of Skyward Fame and Kelly Dale, our our marketing mogul uh, here at Action Lab, uh, they will also be at Heroes Con. So definitely go down and check it out. Say hi to our Action Lab creators; they'll be happy to see you and sell you some awesome Action Lab creation books. And finally, on the news, um, kind of some interesting news here. Um, Zombie Tramp, our, um, our new number one that we solicited in the last episode, um, the last, uh, previous catalog, and we also mentioned in our last episode of the podcast, um, we featured it as, uh, one of our free comic book day selections, uh, on free comic book day, and evidently that book, because it was under-ordered, has become a bit of a collector's item, and uh, along that, uh, with that hype wave, um, Zombie Tramp number one seems to be, um, selling like gangbusters but the quantities are, are as limited as as they as can be so if you ordered zombie tramp ahead of time if you were ahead of the curve if you listened to this podcast and said hey i should check that out then you sir or madam should pat yourselves on the back because you are a trendsetter you are ahead of the wave um zombie tramp number one seems to be uh it's going to be a big success for us and we hope that all of you fans out there of uh that kind of over-the-top humor really enjoy it now we're going to go straight to On the Racks. There's a few things to talk about that are pleasant. presently on the racks of your LCS. First of all, I wanted to shout out a Bo Plushy Gangster number 3 by Pavel Balabanov. And I've trained myself to say that name without stuttering or messing it up because this guy is a genius. He has done work for some video games you may have heard of, like Stalker, um, some, other, some other games along the line. Uh, but he, um, this is his first foray into comics. And it is a doozy. Um, the the premises of the um, the soul of an of a, of a gangsta, you know, a, a straight up G, as it were. I'm far too Caucasian to even try to throw those terms around with any kind of uh, semblance of, of knowledge. Um, a, a thug gangster, as it were, um, has his soul trapped in a stuffed animal, in a, a teddy bear, and. Uh, I know that sounds kind of goofy on the surface, but what he does and where he goes with that premise is, is uh, just incredible and out of hand. It's, it's, it's um, art that's influenced by anime and by Jamie Hewlett and by graffiti art, and it's just really um, a great kinetic style of art. The writing is is, uh, is really more interesting than it should be for a book about a stuffed gangster, um, and it's, it's just a really all-around solid book. Issue number three of Bo Plushy Gangsters on the, st- on, the, on the racks right now. And also on the racks uh, coming out this week, actually, tomorrow as I record this, uh, the final, final Plague trade paperback from Action Lab Danger Zone. Now this is the original animal zombie uh, comic where um, not only are people coming back from the dead, but animals, insects, things like that. It has a whole new layer of um, of fear and, and terror to the, the zombie scenario that usually 
you know, that kind of remains untapped in, in most zombie movies. Usually they're just worried about, you know, human predators. But imagine if the entire zombie uh, uh, virus extended to the animal kingdom as well. That's what this book postulates. And it is a doozy of a horror book. It got a lot of really great acclaim and uh, and, and critical critically acclaim and, and good reviews. Um, if you're into that kind of thing, if you're into, like, the psychological horror uh, and um, when... You know, or you're a zombie fan and you just want to see an interesting new twist on that, that genre, then I definitely recommend to you the, the, the Final Plague trade paperback on the racks. Now let's go to what is in previews this week for June 2014. And this, this is in the June issue of previews that is out presently. Uh, first of all, on the Action Lab side, by uh, Anthony Rutgeiser, Philip Sevy, uh, we have the first hero. Interesting premise here. Everybody in this world that, that the first hero belongs to, who has gotten some sort of uh, superhuman ability, has gone insane with power, quite literally. And the head, the character that this book follows is basically the one who is able to keep his sanity, and the one who tries to make everything right and, and bring in the rest of them that have gone insane with their superpowers. Um, it's a cool concept. We have a, a variant cover by Lee Motor, um, and there's also another variant by uh, Jamal Igal that's limited to 1,500 copies. Uh, it's a first issue of a four-issue miniseries, and it's a really, like I said, it's a really cool premise. It's something they really haven't we haven't seen, haven't been done. And I, I will say this for Action Lab: if if we do superhero books, it's usually something different. It's usually something unique, like Fracture or like this, the first hero, uh, issue number one. Another issue number one coming our way for an ongoing series, and I'll be talking to the uh, the artist and creator of this series uh, later on in this podcast, actually, uh, in an in-depth interview we did with him, is Martheus Wade's Shinobi Ninja Princess, and uh, it's a really cool kind of uh, um, anime-influenced um, uh, comic about uh, young young members of a ninja clan. It's almost like a, a soft prequel, as uh, as he descri- as Martheus described it to uh, Jedi Tales of the Ashigawa, and it's almost it's a retelling and reimagining of those characters and those uh, those premises. And it's really interesting. It's a, it's a lighter art style. It's more like uh, Tezuka-san, you know, like uh, um, who created Kimba the White Lion, Astro Boy, that kind of classic, more anime style. And it's definitely a lighter touch and tone, just very. Uh, uh, all-out action, adventure, uh, and fun. Uh, Shinobi Ninja Princess by Mertheus Wade. Issue number one. And continuing on from issue number one last month is Midnight Tiger number two by uh, Duane Feenstra and uh, Ray Anthony Haidt. If you've not checked this book out, um, if you're a fan of Invincible, if you're a fan of Miles Morales, the ultimate Spider-Man, uh, if you're a fan of the old school Spider-Man, where Spider-Man was still a teenager, had teenage problems and things like that, that's where Midnight Tiger lives. It's the most, to, in, to my eyes, it's one of the most original uses of that kind of premise since Robert Kirkman's Invincible. Uh, it, it's a really cool idea and a really cool story, and um, we're, we're so pleased to have uh, this this creation as part of the Action Lab stable. It's just, the first issue was super strong, the second issue is just as strong, and if you missed the boat the first time out, you definitely don't want to miss the second issue. That's Midnight Tiger, number two. Also on the Action Lab side, we have the Hero Cats of Stellar City. Now, who doesn't like cats, really? And these are the cutest little superhero cats that you ever did see fighting for truth, justice, and a clean litter box. Um, this is by uh, Kyle Putkammer and Marcus Williams, the Hero Cast of Stellar City. 
Um, if what I have said to you already has not already sold you on this, by all means, go to actionlabcomics.com or our Twitter feed and check out the advanced art on the cover. And I think that will, because it's just uh, kind of cute, adorable cats that save the world. Not your ordinary house cats. They're a tactical, action-packed, covert team dealing with extraordinary threats to humanity in ways that will amaze. So, if you like cats and you like super heroics, I would definitely check that out. That's the Hero Cats of Stellar City. And then finally, from the Action Lab side, we have Skyward number 12, uh, celebrating its first full year. And uh, we have a, uh, we're really um, proud to, uh, to announce that not only do we have the regular cover, of course, by Jeremy Dale, but this is available with a variant cover by Darwin Cook. And if you know anything about comics in the past few decades, you know how huge that is and how wonderful uh, Mr. Cook's art is and how singular it is. And Darwin has um, done a really great cover for Skyward. It's beautiful, and uh, we're, we're so pleased to offer it for issue number 12, um, Jeremy Dale's High Fantasy Adventure Skyward, uh, continuing series number 12. And on the Danger Zone side of things, we have Itty Bitty Bunnies in Rainbow Pixie Candyland Save Christmas number one. Uh, as we introduced, uh, I think it was on the last episode of the podcast, the Itty Bitty Bunnies in Rainbow Pixie Candyland and their unique, uh, over-the-top sense of humor. Um, this is the, the next logical step, uh, Step, of course, they, they're going to have to go save Christmas. Of course, why not? What well, every animated... Uh, doesn't every animated uh, character have to do that at some point? Kind of a rite of passage. Um, if you enjoy things like Invader Zim, uh, Ren and Stimpy, uh, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, uh, Happy Tree Friends, um, as I said, the, the John Crick Faluzzi, um period of Ren and Stimpy. If you like those that kind of humor, and those or you know the early days, or even now um, South Park. Uh, if you like that kind of over-the-top, no-holds-barred humor, uh, then this is definitely for you. It's by Dean Ranking. Uh, there are two different covers to this issue. One is kind of their riff on Breaking Bad, and the other is uh, is a toy <laughs> version, Tickle Me Tyrone, of Rainbow Pixie Candleland, Itty Bitty Bunny. So if, if you're into that kind of over-the-top humor that uh, just literally has no boundaries and it's just total madness, then by all means, check that out. Itty Bitty Bunnies in Rainbow Pixie Candleland, Save Christmas. Number one. And if you uh, keep listening to the podcast, you will be hearing me later speak to the author and creator of this book that I'm about to mention now, Southern Dog Number One, by Jeremy Holt, who we had to talk to. Uh, Alex Diotto does the art, the interior art, and the cover is by Riley Rosmo, um, who is a pretty well known uh, artist and a really beautiful cover here, by the way. Um, it, it's, uh, it's a book about racism, it's a book about Werewolf, um, you know, transmor, transmor, <laughs> transmogrification and werewolf, you know, lycanthropy and things like that. It's a book, it's like a Southern Gothic, uh, the, one of the blurbs I've read of it, um, it said it was like werewolves, deliverance with werewolves. Um, and you can listen to Jeremy Holt himself discuss and kind of parse out that a little bit more for you in the interview that we, you know, that I conducted with him that we'll be listening to a little later on in this podcast, but the book is incredible. Um, uh, Southern Dog, number one. Up next is our uh, one of our bi-monthly books that came originally was a digital uh, uh, exclusive and then made its way to print Scum of the Earth by Mark Bolini and Rob Cronenberg. Um, if, imagine, if you will, Mickey and Mallory from uh, Natural Born Killers up against the Terminator and Killer 
aliens and robots. That is basically where you're at with Scum of the Earth. The, the violence is, is at a huge, incredible level. Um, the If that doesn't bother you at all, and what I've said to you sounds intriguing so far, then you should definitely check this book out. It is a grindhouse, southern fried trip uh, with no equal. Uh, Scum of the Earth, available. Issue number two, available in the previews this month. And as I mentioned before, Zombie Tramp seems to be having a real surge of, uh, of uh, popularity um, with the first issue. And now we're going to go to Zombie Tramp number two. Uh, she's turning, stirring up trouble in Sin City um, and meets basically runs afoul of Zombie Elvis. So uh, more of that same kind of irreverent, strange zombie humor going on from Dan Mendoza and TM2. Um, Zombie Tram number two, available in the previews this month. And finally, on the Action Life Danger Zone side, as I mentioned before, Bo Plushy Gangster. This is the Kingdom of Bo trade paperback. Now, if you haven't been checking it out issue by issue, which, shame on you, you really should have. This collects issues one through four. Um, it's, like I said, Scarface, half Scarface, half Teddy Ruxman, you know. Um, straight up gangster. Uh, transposed into the body of a stuffed animal. And uh, it, it's just, like I said, it's just kind of incredible. It, it's it's it, as, as funny as that premise sounds, the, the actual implementation of the book is, is far beyond uh, what you'd expect from, from that premise. It's just a really cool, well-written book. The, the action is kinetic. The art is, the art is really uh, off the chain, as the kids say today. It's by pa- uh, Pavel Balabanov. Um, Plo- Bo Plushy Gangster, King- Kingdom of Bo trade paperback. That's also available in the current issue previews. And on the digital side, lately we have the remastered version of uh, Jetta, Tales of the Tashigawa. Now this is a book that Martheus Wade, who is uh, coming at us with the Shinobi Ninja Princess ongoing book, um, did back in the day. And he went back and kind of retouched his own art, kind of redrew parts of it, kind of made it uh, a little better. It's it's rare that an artist is able to go back and edit their work like that and kind of fix it in a little way. Uh, he he mentions in the article in the interview that we uh, conducted them later in the podcast that he wanted to go back and redraw the whole thing, but we really didn't have time for that. So he went back and, and fixed what he could, and so it's it's kind of a look. At, if you've seen you know read Jedi Tales of the Tashigawa before, you can see all new artwork, all new implementation, all new storytelling in this in that. Um, milieu and if you haven't then it's you know it's a brand new book for you and that's available at comiXology as all of our action lab books are for 99 cents an issue also crimson society we're gonna be talking to mike now hopefully if the podcast god's all work in conjunction with me on the next episode of the podcast um it's another one of our uh, comiXology digital debuts uh really cool mix of sci-fi and supernatural themes with that one Again, only 99 cents. If you've fallen behind on the Action Lab books, or if any of them seem intriguing to you, but you're wondering how you would be able to be able to catch up, uh, very simply, go to Comixology, check out all of our stuff that we have there. All of our single digital issues of every single Action Lab comic, single issues, are 99 cents apiece. That is a huge deal for you. Say you've heard me describe Bo Plushy and you're intrigued and you'd like to go check it out. For only 99 cents an issue, you can be totally caught up 
with Bo Poichy. If you want to read Crimson Society that I just mentioned, you want to get caught up with that. Again, 99 is one of our digital debuts, only available digitally uh, so far, not even available in print. That too, and only 99 cents. Go to Comixology, check out the Action Lab site, Action Lab Danger Zone site. There's even a free download, a digital download, uh, Action Lab in-house fanzine called Action Lab Unleashed. And if you, you know, you can download that and, and get a, scoop, you know, a lot of the scoop on a lot of our books. But definitely check that out. Um, as I said, digitally debuting this month, uh, Jedi Tales of the Tushigawa Remastered and uh, the latest issue of Crimson Society. Okay, that's great. And now let's go on to our interviews, which uh, for me is always the most uh, interesting part of the show anyway. Um, not that our books aren't interesting, but talking to the creators, I think, is, is just as, if not more so. Um, our first interview tonight is with Mr. Jeremy Holt, the creator of Southern Dog, which is available in this issue of previews. You can order pre-order it right away. And after you hear him talk about it, I think you're going to want to, because it sounds like a very intriguing book. And the art is incredible, and the story sounds even more so. So here's that interview with Jeremy Holt. <laughs> Hey everybody, Jim Dietz here from the Action Lab Podcast, and it's my distinct pleasure and honor this evening to uh, speak to Mr. Jeremy Holt, the mastermind behind the new Action Lab Danger Zone comic, Southern Dog, which is available in your previews this month. How are you doing tonight, Jeremy? Good, thanks for having me on. No, hey, thank you for being on. Um, first of all, I, I always like to start out with the same question for, for everybody. I know, like, since I've been working with Action Lab, I, I realize that everybody in the organization really has a, a deep love of comics. As not, you know, not only, you know, comics themselves, but comics as a medium and comics as a, a storytelling medium. Uh, what What is your comics DNA? I mean, when did it occur to you that, you know, comics is something that, you know, you could really, um, you know, get across your story ideas in and something, you know, that you grew to love? Um, I'd say it was maybe, I'd say five and a half years ago. Um, I didn't really grow up with them. I didn't really read them growing up. So, um, I was kind of away from them for a very long time. And, uh, I had a, I have a brother that, uh, actually collected them when we were kids and that's why I was familiar with them. And it wasn't until maybe five and a half years ago that he, uh, reintroduced me to comics and I started reading, I think the first comic I'd read in a while was, um, Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, that kind of opened, opened my eyes to what comics can be. And I think um, after I read Brian K. Vaughn's Why the Last Man, that's, I think, when I decided I wanted to take a crack at writing comics. Well, those are two excellent uh, names to drop if you're going to drop some names. <laughs> yeah. Um, real, real quick, uh, give me the elevator pitch on Southern Dog. It seems like you've got a lot of a lot of different balls in the air here. You kind of got the Southern Gothic thing going on, the coming of age story, the the werewolf story. Um, um, polarize it for me. Bring me to, bring um, me up to speed. I would say it is Teen Wolf set in the Deep South six weeks before Obama's inauguration. So it's very um, time sensitive as to as to when. Yes, it comes it's on. very specific to uh, a point in our history, and it kind of reflects on um, kind of current, uh, I guess, the political vibe um when obama was was inaugurated and it also kind of focuses on uh, i guess past history um regarding the south and and the clan and and all of that so it's kind of the meshing and the, the converging of, of two different uh worlds have you uh, have you personally ever lived in the south i mean has I have. yeah there's I, I did too when i was a kid i lived in baton rouge for a while and there's just that kind of 
like Faulknerian oppressive um, kind of um, and 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 again, you know, like you said, around the time of Obama's inauguration, it's got to be like a a great contrast to kind of some some of the more deep seated um, uh, like racism and things like that that kind of exist behind you know behind the scenes down there. Um, yeah. I assume that all plays into your book as well. Absolutely, and and racism was was the the focal point for the story. Um, as an Asian American growing up in in both the South and living overseas as well most of my life, um, racism is something I've always grown up with and experienced firsthand. And um, you know, honestly, comics and telling stories was the kind of most interesting way to me to explore the, those topics because it's not a conversation you have with someone like oh let's talk about racism uh, <laughs> but i think with comics and with like using the werewolf mythology and placing that within the deep south i think it's a perfect marriage of of uh, a very well-known um medium which is werewolves people like and then putting a werewolf in in deep south where hunting is like a religion so you know, put a wild animal in that, and it's kind of a, a cool mix. Um, it's a cool juxtaposition. It's a cool juxtaposition too. I mean, plus yeah. a lot of those guys, you know, they'll call themselves like Big Dog or you know, uh, <laughs> things like that as kind of yeah. a nickname and stuff. So I really, I really, uh, I got the click on that too. Um, tell me, about, uh, how did you meet uh, Alex Diotto, your artist? And uh, how, uh, how, I, I, great choice, by the way, for the book. His 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 art seems to go very, very well with the story you're telling. Thank you, um, Alex. I was put in touch with Alex through um, the letter of the first issue, Ed Burson, who uh, he, Ed Burson is, you know, really coming into his own with his own work, uh, I'd say in the past year or two. And um, when he was nice enough to letter my pitches and when we became friends, um, he had a bunch of artists kind of, you know, on, on the sideline that he'd been kind of following and he hadn't really approached about projects because he didn't have anything ready for them to pitch to them. And, Alex was one of those guys in his in his kind of back roster, and he's like, "Hey, I, I don't have anything ready to pitch to him, but you know, he's I think he's available, so why don't you pitch him something, dog?" So I did, and Alex was immediately on board. So he's, I think he's a really good fit for the story you're telling. It just really, um, I I don't know that that's, that style just seems to very much fit that kind of oppression you're going for there. I, I, I personally, it worked for me a lot. Yeah, I think the the his clean lines are, are really good and. Um, uh, you know, I think just the whole, the team in general, like Adam Metcalf's colors really, really, you know, kind of tied it all together. And then, you know, Riley Rossmo's covers obviously look amazing. So. I was going to, I was going to uh, get to that next, uh, having, uh, you know, Riley Rossmo do your covers is definitely not going to hurt the sales of the book. Uh, <laughs> how did you, uh, how did you approach him? How did you get him on the um, subject? I, I knew Riley through, um, probably my closest friend in comics is Curtis Weeb, who writes Rat Queens and Peter Pan's Rest for Image. And, um, obviously Curtis knew Riley quite well working on Green Wake together. And I met Riley at uh, Fan Expo in Toronto maybe four years ago. Um, and he was, you know, very receptive to some of the stuff I was working on. And he was just like, you know, let me know if you want me to do a cover. And I, I sent him Southern Dog. And I, it was funny, he sent me the cover. Uh, this, I mean, the book was fully written, I'd say, maybe three years ago. Um, so I've been, you know, sitting on it for a while, but, uh, when he sent me that first cover, um, I was at a wedding, I think, um, during the summer and it like totally zapped my focus. Like I'm supposed to be at this wedding focused that my friends are getting married and it's like a joyous occasion. Then I get this amazing cover and I'm like, 
I need to stop looking at my phone. Um, is, is it the cover for number one with the, yeah, uh, the stars yeah. and bars in the background? Yeah. And the, that, is, that is a striking work. I can see why you were taken by it. It's a really, yeah. really strong when, image. When uh, when I actually first met him uh, at Fan Expo, he was like, hey, I have something to give you. And he gave me the original art and I was just totally speechless. And it's actually hanging on my wall right now. So Wow, that's great. Yeah. Um, I also know the book has gotten a lot of really good reviews on The Girl at Midnight, Pop Culture Hound, Anarchy's Bookcase, Graphic Policy, uh, Wicked Channel, John Lee's. I mean, a lot of people have, are really getting behind this book, are really enjoying what you're doing. That's got to be gratifying. Yeah, you know, considering the subject matter, I was really, you know, I think I was at first nervous about, you know, how people were going to perceive the book. I didn't want it to come off as like, you know, one-sided or kind of, you know, too heavy-handed. Um, and I, I'd like to think that I handled the subject matter kind of, um, you know, in an interesting way. And, and um, yeah, I mean, people have responded quite well. And, and um, even friends that I've shared the book with um, and, you know, I've been on a couple other podcasts and, um, yeah, a lot of people I, I have yet to hear anything negative about it, which is nice. Yeah, I really like the catchphrase here from Pop Culture Hound. It's like deliverance with lots of hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was actually on uh, Pop Culture Hound's podcast uh, last year, and um, they actually had uh, had a peek at the book, and and that's what uh, Chris Thompson had to say. And I was like, I'm going to quote you. He's like, I don't know if that's actually worth quoting, but okay. And I, I, I you know, kept him to his word. Oh no, I think it's great if you. I mean, if you had to encapsulate it in just a few words, I mean that you know that's that pretty much tells the end of the story um that that different kind of for you know southern foreboding like a movie like southern comfort or deliverance would would yeah. bring about um just so uh you know since you're you know you're you're using the werewolf metaphor using the genre what are some of your favorite werewolf films i mean are did you do any research going into this or are you just like, kind of making up your own mythos as you go along are you trying to follow someone else's or? i think it was a bit of both i i ultimately made up my own um American uh, Werewolf in uh, London was oh, a what a huge, great movie! Great yeah, movie. huge influence. Um, Ginger Snaps or Ginger Snap, sorry, um, which is kind of that was that movie actually was the closest to a reference I I, I used pretty close because you know with with the werewolf, werewolf mythology it's you know a lot of people explore curses or a full moon. Um, Ginger Snaps is more about um, a young girl who's going through um, puberty. Um, so I kind of looked at it from that perspective, and I thought that was really interesting. And I kind of got rid of the curse, the full moon, all of that. And it's more about a kid coming of age, going through that through adolescence, which is awkward in general. So to think you have to hide this big secret is even kind of more challenging. And well, the whole idea of transformation, the whole idea of being out of control of your own emotions and feelings, all those things, they, they translate very well to the werewolf uh, mythos. So that's excellent. Yeah. And, and the thing that I'm kind of hinging on is the fact that, you know, the, the, our, the main character goes through a pretty traumatic hunting experience and um, he starts having uh, panic attacks from it. And it's those panic attacks that, that are the triggers. So it's not, you know, the... Uh, kind of classic tropes right I think, I, think, I think it makes much more sense to do that in the story than than you know to you know tied to like you said curses or the full moon and all that other stuff i mean i think it makes more of an impact the way you're doing it and i really appreciated that when i read the first issue now oh. this is this is a uh, a mini series to start out with the first uh, four issues correct and i get i assume you already have those written scripted and 
oh, thing is completely done, which is really what's nice about working with Action Lab is that, you know, it was a little daunting when they were like, we really like this, but, you know, we to, in order to get books out on time, we, we like to have most of the book done. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and the team was, you know, they, they worked really hard and we got it done in, in you know, I'd say maybe four or five months. Um, now, is this a self-contained story or are there more stories you can tell with these characters in this universe going on? I'd say it's definitely self-contained. I, I think that if I, I could maybe entertain the idea of stretching it, but I, I always had the, the ending in mind and the ending is very uh, definitive for me. Well, not to sell someone else, some other company's comics, but I know you're also known for Skinned. Um, yeah. What um, Do you have any other uh, comics in the pipeline, any projects that you're working on that are uh, on the way, other than Southern Dog and Skin that are going on now? Um, yeah, I have uh, another Monkey Brain series, Art Monster, that uh, the first two issues are currently out. Um, and I have a couple other projects, a couple pitches I'm getting together, and there's one kind of bigger project uh, that I actually can't uh, discuss, but um, that's that's been taking up most of my time recently. Sweet. That sounds awesome. Well, as I, as I said, the, the writer and the mastermind here is Jeremy Holt. The book is Southern Dog. It's available in your June previews right now. You can order uh, issue number one. It's only two ninety nine. Uh, if you check our Twitter feed or our Facebook feed, we've been running uh, a lot of the blurbs and reviews and some of the art from the book. Uh, if you want to get an idea and a feel for what's uh, what's going on. And uh, it was a real pleasure to talk to you tonight, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good night. Thanks a lot, Jeremy, for talking to us. And now we're going to go straight into uh, an interview with Martheus Wade, uh, creator of Shinobi Ninja Princess and Jedi Tales of the Tashigawa. Um, only one editor's note here. For about the first couple minutes of the interview with Martheus, the, we had some sort of... Um, uh, sound glitch. There's like some, I don't know if it's a ruffling of papers or a fan or something like that, but it only lasts for the first couple minutes of the interview and then it goes away. So, you know, stick with it for the first couple minutes. I'm really sorry about that. I, I didn't want to cut out Martheus's thoughts because they were very interesting at that point. And I, I toned down that, that background noise as best I could. So just stick with it for the first couple minutes and then you will be rewarded with a great interview with the uh, incomparable Martheus Wade. Wade, uh, artist extraordinaire. So I, I would start listing credits, but then I'd be here for about a half hour. So <laughs> I would just say, art, uh, tonight though, mainly we're going to be talking about Jetta and uh, Shinobi uh, Ninja Princess, but uh, yeah. done much, much more than that. I mean, you have a very deep resume and a lot of things going on. Um, the first question I always ask uh, everyone uh, involved with Action Lab who I interview is um, where where your comics DNA comes from. Like, what were the comics that you grew up with? What were the comics that really made you think of the medium as something that you wanted to pursue as a career? Oh man, um, let's see. I guess the very the very first comic book I, I actually read was the oversized um, Batman um, and the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk. Oh, I remember that. Ross yeah, Andrew and art, right? Yeah, yeah, man. It was it was it was some awesome artwork and you know, it had this real long epic story with the Joker and he crossed over with um um with I think it was um uh, uh I forgot what the guy's name was that was the uh, tr kind of like the trickster uh version um uh, in in uh Marvel. 
and um, you know, gave the Joker all these powers. So the Joker was doing all these weird tricks and stuff, and turn, he turned the Hulk into clowns and stuff like that. And and it was just a fun. Man, that story was fun, man. And you know, seeing Batman be able to talk the Hulk down, uh, that was my, one of my first ones. But I don't think I really. I started loving reading comics, but I don't think that I really knew that I wanted to draw comics until um, I got into uh, George Perez and uh, Marv Wolfman's Teen Titans. Nice. Um, and uh, man, that right there, I mean, it was so long and just epic storytelling and um, the 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 books themselves were, you know, most of them were, were single issues. I mean, they did have some that, that branched off into other issues, but, you know, storylines and story arcs didn't take too long. And those were some heavy reading books for, for me when I was little, you know. Um, and oh, I just, yeah, where you had that whole Tara storyline with, like, her yeah. betraying the team and uh, Changeling falling in love with her and then her end up being yeah. with uh, Deathstroke and stuff. That was, that was some heavy stuff to be reading when you were a kid. I know I grew yeah. up with those same books. Yeah, that uh, the Marv, Marv Wolfman uh, stuff. I grew up reading that, and the Chris Claremont uh, and John Byrne X Men. I mean, those are you know those are right right in line with uh, with what I started with. Um, I, I you, like I said, you you get to play with some of these toys now. I mean, you've you've worked for the Marvel trading, you know, done some Marvel trading cards, you've done you know Star Wars trading yeah. cards, but then you also have a lot of creator owned uh, um, stuff too. Do you have a different approach to to character and to to the way you approach things if it's someone else's IP as, as opposed to your own? Yeah, um, I kind of, uh, I kind of, you know, I kind of sit back and uh, and allow. I pretty much try. It depends on who it is. Like sometimes I'll I'll write with uh, I'll get with a writer that I know, and if if that's the case, then you know a lot of times I'll just we'll, we'll collaborate and I'll throw my ideas out there. But most of the time it's more about um, being able to just, you know, service the character, man. Just being able to make the character shine and stuff like that. And and me, I come from. The, the comic book, you know, days where, um, you know, I, there was a long time, long period of comic of time of, in comics where I didn't know who did what. It was just good, you know. Mm-hmm. So before creator came first, you know, what I mean, the times when create creators came first, it was actually just about the comics and the story, you know, and it didn't really matter who was on the book as long as the, the story was the first thing that 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 pops to mind, not the creator. So it's kind of like one of those things where I'm more than happy to be able to kind of sink back into the story and be able to, as long as my artwork kind of furthers the story and pushes the story along and it doesn't, you know, I'm not trying to jump out there and say, hey, look at me and throw splash pages where they're not supposed to be and all that kind of stuff. Um so it's more important about, you know, trying to collaborate with the writer and get the story across, um, and, you know, when I'm working with somebody like that, and especially on somebody else's, um, somebody else's character that you don't, don't own, you know. Um, with mine, though, I mean, I just kind of just go, I just throw, throw, throw caution to the wind and just, just create, you know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a little bit more freer, I guess, with mine, but that's, you know, that's just... You know that I mean that's that's just the way that you know I think anybody would be if it's your own character you're gonna be a little bit more freer to take liberties and things like that and and step out there and do some con- some unconventional stuff that you might not be able to do um, with like a um, uh, another character you know another character that's owned by somebody else. Right, right. Um, I guess you're best known for your creator work, uh, uh, Jetta Tales of the Tashigawa, the, the ongoing series that you collaborate with uh, with Salty Girl, uh, a.k.a. Right. Mrs. Wade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I kind of have to ask you about this because 
my wife and I, uh, I'm a chef and she, she's a, uh, like a maitre d' hostess. We owned a restaurant for a while. So we collaborated right. for a long time on our artistic endeavor and there were, you know, ups and downs arguments, you know, if part of the times we didn't see eye and eye to eye, but we always kind of, you know, came out strong, you know, as, as a team. And I'm wondering, are those, uh, are those, those, are there those kind of moments working on, uh, uh, Jetta with Janet. I mean, uh, you know, because you know, it's, there's got to be that kind of push pull on the on the project. I would imagine. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not not so much on the uh, on the 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 writing or the creative flow because we talk a lot, you know, a lot about the characters and where where we plan on going. And there's sometimes where there's some things that I want that, and I think that that'll work out right, and I'll throw it to her, and she'll be like, "No, nah, I don't know about that." And but but the cool thing about it is that. I'm really good about going back and thinking, really thinking hard of why I want that decision. You know what I'm saying? And most of the times I'll be like, yeah, you're kind of right. That does kind of suck. What's another solution? So we always work around it. It's not really a big thing. Um, the only time that we, we might have, you know, butting heads is just on creative stuff as far as like um, uh, um, if I draw something. Like one time, I, <laughs> one time I drew this picture in, in, uh, of, of Jetta and when I was drawing it, when I was penciling it, it looked right. It looked perfect. But then the problem came when I inked it, and you couldn't see a lot of the lines that I used to define her face anymore. And it was it was a back shot, and she was looking over her back, but it was a lot of shadow. And the way that I put the shadow down, I didn't catch it, but when I showed it to her, um, and it was completely inked, when I showed it to her, she was like, oh, man, I don't want to say this. And I was like, what? She said, the first thing I thought about when I saw this was that her head was disconnected from her body. <laughs> and it was just be- <laughs> and it was just because the shadow, the way the shadow was. And I, I, I was like, man, that, man, that ain't right. You crazy, man. You know what I mean? So, I, you know, I took that I took that pride and was just like, man, whatever, you know. But then I slept on it and I woke up the next morning and I looked at it. I was like, damn, her head looks like it's, it's, it's decapitated, <laughs> you could, dude. You could not see it that way now, right? Because she Yeah, like, so I went, so I had to scrap that whole page and I redrew it over and it, it came out 10 times better for it, you know. But, um, you know, stuff like that, that's the only time where my, I might tell her, you know, hey, move that hand over because it's causing a tangent. And she'd be like, I don't want to move the hand, you know, something like that. And then she'd go back and look at it and be like, yeah, I went ahead and moved that hand over. You know, that's that type of thing, you know, but. Um, it's, it's always good to have another pair of eyes, too, in the situation. Sometimes, you know, you could be too close to something. And yeah. That, that yeah. whole thing about not seeing the forest for the trees and then have someone yeah. say, hey, you know, like like you said, with the decapitated head or whatever. Exactly, uh, yeah. I, what kind of astonishes me about, about Jetta and also your, your new book, Shinobi, is how different the art style is. Um, coming from the same artist, I mean, the the Jetta style was very, very, um, you know, very detailed, very, very, you know, very line heavy and stuff. And then Shinobi seems more like a, almost like a riff on Tezuka and, and Alex Toth. Mm-hmm. It's got like that lighter anime flavor, and uh, mm-hmm. that was I, I, I'm sure that was a conscious decision on your part. Yeah, yeah. Um, with with Jetta, Jetta's. I, I love drawing Jetta. I love drawing the, the, the graphic novel series. The problem with it sometimes is that it is so dark, you know, um, and um, in it, you can see, I can, you can trace the evolution of my art, my art and who I am as a creator just by going from book one all the way to the current book that's out. I mean, and you can see, yeah, the skill level gets ten times better because some of that stuff at the beginning I look at and I'm just like, oh golly, man, because <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. 
the the uh, the book that uh, the, the the beginnings that I just released with uh, Action Lab, I redrew a lot of that stuff because it was the first Jetta book that I ever came out with. And, that was uh, uh, that was almost ten years ago, wasn't it? Two thousand four. Yeah. Two thousand five. Yeah. Yeah, it was in two thousand four, and um, it, and it's just been re released um through Comicsology through Action Lab, and um, a lot of times I was talking to Sean Pryor on it, and I was like, dude, I want to redraw all this. And he was like, no, we ain't got time. <laughs> I was like, come on, man, let me redraw this. He was like, no, nah, man. So I was like, well, let me redraw this page, this page, and this page. He was like, all right. So I went ahead and redrew stuff and added stuff to it and stuff like that. But um, you could see, uh, you know, of course, creatively, artistically, you could see a, a big jump. But you can also see where I was in my head as well because um, at the beginning, you can you can kind of see this this um, uh, grand view that I had about the comic industry and these like uh, rose colored glasses that I had on about it. And then you get to the middle where it's kind of like the Jetta book is really dark. <laughs> you, start to, <laughs> you start to see where the glasses kind of came off and I was just like, ah, ah, my artwork, ah, you know. And then, um, you know, you get to Shinobi, you get to Shinobi Ninja Princess and, you know, I've had a child and, you know, things have changed and, um, you know, there's a lot of things that I can't show him in the Jetta book that I will show, I share with him in Shinobi. And, um, you know, you can see, you can see, you know, the subtle influence of my life. So I wanted to kind of be able, when I was drawing this, um, I wanted to kind of be able to um, reflect that, you know, reflect that, you know, I'm a lighter, I'm a lighter person, even though people still call me salty, they call me mean or whatnot. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, but I am a, I am a very, very lighter person. You know what I mean? I, you know, I love my son and stuff like that. And there's a lot of things that I see that he does and the stuff that I used to do. And, and, and we play with toys together and stuff and play video games together. So, I mean, I wanted to be able to have that type of energy into this and not have the same energy into the Jetta stuff, uh, from the Jetta stuff. So, um, you know, it, 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 I, in a quick story, the, uh, Shinobi Ninja Princess story has always been there. It's something that I've always wanted to tell, and I really, I really, oddly enough, wanted to start there. I used to do like comic strips and stuff, and um, there were some comic strips that I did uh, way, 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 way back in the day at my first job, and it was called The Wolf Pack, and it was pretty much the same story. That's not the same story, but it was pretty much along the lines of the same stuff that I'm doing for Shinobi. The problem was, was that I took it to conventions to see if it was it was going to get any traction. And everybody said, that's not the way to, to go. You know, um, this more you know realistic style is more um, forward. It's more it's, it's the one that's moving forward. You know what I mean? If you want to do that then you do that, don't do this. You know what I mean? You can only do comic strips with this. You can't do it comic books with this so i kind of scrapped it and then that was you know because i'm a big uh, manga and anime fan as well and i that's a huge influence in my artwork no matter if it's jetta or what but i had it you know i had it uh the influence was a lot heavier before and there was a big problem especially when i was trying to show that type of artwork to um uh, marvel and to dc and to like um uh, I went to talk to some people at Dark Horse at one point, and it was just like your your artwork is too Eastern influenced, um, mm -hmm. and we would have to get 
a special project in order for you to find work. So what else you got? It's, so interesting, what else? That, it's <laughs> interesting that they would uh, they would not be behind a um, you know like the story of the training of a young ninja and then along comes Naruto. Right. It's like exactly. one of the biggest franchises in the world. <laughs> exactly. Like... <laughs> you know, so so it's like, hey, I was there first, you know. Yeah, right. But but uh, so it was like, what else you got? So so what I ended up doing was I ended up just um, kind of like taking that idea and and retooling it into the Jetta proper book, and then re resubmitting all that stuff to to you know uh, to um, indie companies and stuff like that. And I I finally got my first break with. Um, with a shooting star with that. Uh, but you know, so it's amazing. always been there. I'm sorry. It just, it's so amazing how things turn around and now that kind of anime influence style is, is everywhere. I mean, it's yeah. in, in the big two books now. I mean, yeah. Look, you know, look at, you know, Joey Matt or, um, oh God, I'm trying to think of the Spider-Man artist. His name is, is just give me Roberto Ramos. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's very anime influenced and I mean, that's definitely, you know, part of the style now. I mean, just 10 years ago to, to think that you were, you know, getting doors shut in your face for doing that same style. I mean, it shows how ahead of your time you are, you know, I guess. So. You know, I, 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 at first I was just like, I was, you know, that was one of the points where I was just kind of like, man, I'm just going to do this on my own. You know what I mean? Instead of just kind of, you know, just, I, I used to do a lot of submissions, man. I got a whole bunch of rejection letters at the beginning. And I was just like, man, I'm going to, I just want to, you know, I just want to produce books. I don't, I don't care about, you know, you know, who's on first, you know what I mean? That type of thing, you know? Right, so. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I did, man. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, and, you know, it's just, a, you know, amazing how things, you know, come full circle. You know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just thrilled to be able to do it, you know, because like I said, I've, I've had this story on the back burner for a while. And, you know, I want now, now I can, you know, now I can, I can get it out. But I'm also glad that it waited, too, because it needed this time to be able to um, be refined you know, I think I need to be a little bit older to be able to tell stuff like this, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, um, you know, the story, you know, Shinobi, it deals with a, a 14 year old girl who is, is, you know, a girl, um, a, a human who just so happens to be a ninja. You know what I mean? It's not like it's it's all ninja tale. It's just it's it's her dealing with her her life as a teenager but having to have these trappings of being a ninja as well and i don't think i could have told that story um effectively you know back back in when i first started you know i I needed time to be able to tell that tell that you know correctly and a little bit more perspective on things well i know jetta was uh, set in the 21st century but also had like a lot of japanese feudal themes and and ideas going through it even though it was ostensibly set in you know modern day or a little bit before is mm-hmm. is shinobi set in in ancient japan or is it set uh modern times or is it just kind of not something you are pinning down or it's pretty it's it's in modern times you know um it's still one of those things because it's still her you know it's just uh it's just telling her uh her you know life when she was 14 so this is so, like a, a prequel to jedi yes yeah. Kind of, kind of, sort of. It's a prequel. I like to say, so it's kind of like a re-envisioning, because I've always had this this world in mind. So um, even it, it all fits. You know, the the Jetta proper stories fit into a vague future type of a thing. You know what I mean? So if you haven't read it, then it's not a big deal. You know, I I pretty much don't cover that ground at all, where I don't I try not to foreshadow it too much, because it's two different things. But um, this is 
is set in um it's it's a a it's still a semi futuristic time but it's also very very reminiscent of uh feudal japan there's still things that go around there's still like um there's there's still ninja clans well in my story there's only two um uh, known ninja clans um one of them is on the is kind of rich which is the toshigawa the other one is is their hands for the mafia uh or the yakuza which are the zumi and um then there's the emperor of japan um which is terminus he used to be a toshigawa and he's actually trying to hunt down uh the toshigawa trying to get his his daughter back now and that's pretty much the 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 three main components of the story and we we switch in between those three those three factions for the first six issues and um uh it uh there are times when there there is like i well i don't want to tell too much but there is times when um we do go back to look at history um um and to see what lessons the character of you know Shiandria can learn from you know things that happened in the past to her her relatives and her ancestors and things like that, uh, and it propels the story forward. Like she 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 learns from that type of things and and she she um, sees how people are able to to were able to get out of their situation so she can apply it to hers. You know what I mean? So you do go back to feudalism um, and and. Um, 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 and then back to the future, and then you know every once in a while or something like that. So, um, but yeah, it's set. It's set in a in a, in a quasi futuristic modernist time. Well, I always like that um, that kind of juxtaposition in Jetta too. You know, to have like the clans and the emperor and all these other things, but also you know in in the you know, like you like as you, as you call it semi futuristic. Uh, kind of reminded me of Cowboy Bebop. You know, what I mean how they kind of yeah. Had like they still had like the clans and the and the yakuza and everything like that, even though it was in the future. Yeah. Um, and I really, I really got to say that the art that I've seen so far from from Shinobi, I mean, I really, I think, like you said, you know, you're a lighter person, and it definitely shows in the art. The art has a much lighter touch, and it just really, really suits the story well too. You know, I mean, there's obviously stakes and 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 danger and things in the story, but it's also, you know, more lighthearted and and not as uh, as you said, you know, dark and things like that as some of the Jetta books were. Right. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to get to read the whole issue. Now, is this going to be an ongoing series, or is this going to be a series of miniseries, or how are you it's, how right are you plotted out? Well, right now it's like a um, a six issue uh, miniseries. Um, the the way that I uh, the way that I actually wanted to do this originally, my original idea was to be able to do uh, web stories. You know, because um, uh, I, I I really want to be able to go where uh, the, I feel the core audience was was going to be going at the time, and most of them are on um, the web or they are on you know they're in you know Barnes and Nobles or something like that, or you know on the iPad and stuff like that, you know tech savvy kids and stuff. So, um, and I was going to do it as a web comic and just release it once a week. Um, and I had all these scripts written out. Like I've got actually 20, uh, 20 scripts written out. Um, wow. And um, for I mean, for a book that is just now being solicited in this month's previews, that's a lot to be ahead. Yeah, I've I've been writing this for about uh, a year and a half, man. I I got a bug one day to just sit down and just draw. I mean, write something that was lighter. 
and fun, you know, because uh, I hadn't I hadn't you know done that in a while, and this is what came out. Uh, when I when I, I looked at my notes and was like, man, I remember this story, man. I go back, want to go back and do something. So I went back and started rewriting it and stuff. And it started with me and Janet just going back and just laughing at our own stuff, you know, just hey, hey, check this out. I'll give her something, and it was like a like two or three stories a day, you know. And um, and uh, I was and she was like, won't you do this as a web comic? Because I really didn't want to pub self publish it anymore because it's really sometimes it can get kind of expensive. So, um, uh, and I already had the Jetta stuff that I was kind of self-publishing. So I was like, uh, you know, that's a good idea. Let's do it as a webcomic. And, um, I showed it to Sean prior and he was like, dude, you need to show this to Action Lab. And I was like, I don't know, man, you know, it's, it's like, you know, I, you know, at the time I was kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on my outs from the comic world, you know what I mean, that type of thing. I'm doing my Jetta thing. And he was like, no, I'll show it to them and see what they say. You I mean, you can't, you can't, it can't hurt. And I was like, all right. So he get he actually showed it to some folks at Action Lab and then they came back and was like, we want to go ahead and publish this. Um, and uh, I was like, cool, you know. So I ended up having to move everything, kind of just doing the 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 main story arc in six issues so i went back and picked out the main stories of the story arc and pulled them down into six issues and then um continued to go go forward from there so i still continue to do production on that but you know if it does you know go past six issues like say if the first six issues do well then yeah i would love to be able to come back and do you know six more you know after the trade or something like that or you know, and if that does well, maybe, you know, depending on, you know, the response and what Action Lab says, maybe I'll come back and, and do another one after that, or maybe it may be an ongoing. It just depends, you know. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it fits really well, too, with the Action Lab books like um, uh, Skyward and Princeless, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. that, that kind of story that's an all ages story, but also is, is great for adults to read, too. It doesn't, you know, talk yeah. down to kids. It's just like a good adventure story, you know, on its own. Um, tell me a little bit about Torah Gun Angel. Oh, uh, yeah, man. That's that's actually another spinoff from the from the um, the Jetta books, Jetta graphic novels and stuff. And um, that um, is actually just, she's a character. Um, she's actually a character that's in Shinobi Ninja Princess. She's 18 in, in Jetta. She's in, in, in Shinobi Ninja Princess. She's a little bit older um, than Jetta. She is... Um, a little bit, a little bit wiser, but she's also somebody that that she Andrea, the character who becomes Jetta later on, she Andrea looks up to. Um, in the in the Jetta books, uh, she is actually they're they're both sword sisters at this point. At that point, when they get older and stuff, and they, um, 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 she actually has her own assignments and goes off on her own a lot. So we spin her book off into her own graphic novel as well. Uh, for one time and then that actually got some play um, from uh, one of my friends who's a friend who was a filmmaker and he really liked to do it uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Gregory Gray and uh, he convinced me that that he could pull off a short uh, for it and uh, um, we should do an Indiegogo campaign so we did that uh, we asked for 8,000 um, and uh, we ended up getting uh, 11 at the end of the day, wow. which was cool. And then, um, we, at, we, 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 um, um, had a casting call and had over 900, 
women uh, uh, come in and vie for the part, which was awesome. That must awesome. have been fun. <laughs> that was that was, but it was awkward. It was really awkward because every morning, right, I would have my iPad out, and he would have at least fifteen girls, fifteen women that he would send to me. And these are all very talented, very attractive women. So my wife is laying in the bed next to me and I'm <laughs> going through I'm going through these pictures, right? And she looks over and is like, What are you doing? And I'm just like, Hey, it's just the work. It's just the work. It's all right. It's just the work. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta do this for work, honey. No, really. I have to stir at women all day. It's part of my job. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm taking more for the team here, okay? I'm just making I'm making sure I'm 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 doing it so you don't have to do it. I'm not you know, enjoying so, this at all, okay? I'm not. A... <laughs> but um, it was really cool, man. I didn't get to see all of them, uh, but they, they, you know, we we narrowed it down to, I think, out of, out of, uh, man, I only, I think I only saw like 50, and out of the 50, we narrowed it down to three, and then those those three had to, we, you know, we uh, sent them a, um, I'm sorry, four. We narrowed down four. And out of those four, we sent them a script, and they read the script, and um, and um, Rachel Alley got it, and uh, she just nailed it, man. And we flew her in, uh, and we we shot it. Now it's just in the process of being edited, uh, further edited. We showed we showed a little bit of it at Lexington Comic and Toy Convention. We we showed um, a quick rough edit of it at Lexington Comic and Toy Convention just to see what the what the crowd was gonna say and stuff like that. We got some really good response. Um, we got really good um, uh, reviews. People liked it and stuff. Now we're going back and tweaking it, and um, hopefully we'll be able to release that pretty soon on YouTube, and then we'll be able to be able to send that to um, the interested parties that are looking to to see what this tour tour uh, Gun Angel is all about. That sounds incredible, man. That's that's great. Good good news. I mean, I know those Indiegogo things can you know go. You know, they can go either way. I mean, Dave Dwanch just had some bad luck with his Kickstarter, I guess. Uh, somebody pledged yeah. a whole bunch of money that didn't have the money to pledge or something like that. And, oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a great thing. Kickstarter Indiegogo, I think it's one of the, the coolest things around now that people, you know, can just get up and say, hey, who wants to fund me mm-hmm. to do this? But then, you know, there was also the, the backside to it, too. So, right. Um, I'm glad it worked out for you. Um, we had a, um, a problem right in the middle. I almost said problem. We had a an obstacle two of them really big obstacles one was the um uh, veronica mars kickstarter happened right at the beginning of our indiegogo um and that that was that was man i was i was upset <laughs> and then <laughs> and then right in the middle was um um dc comics launched their uh, campaign on indiegogo for their charity and um, the we the we are heroes charity, mm-hmm. and it was on Indiegogo. And you're talking about the room, the air being sucked out of the room. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> when DC oh, came through, it was like, you know, you thought you were getting some money. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so, but after, but we but we last through that, and um, man, we we pulled through, and we we pulled through. Like I think in the last, I say the last week. We made our goal, and then after we made our goal, it was like people started being like, "Oh yeah, you made your goal. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go." <laughs> you know, so it's great. It, it must be great. really gratifying to have that much support. 
it was it was cool. It was cool. I was I was nervous though. I don't I don't. That's doing those things are not for the faint at heart. I'm not trying to do that again for a while. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, you're putting it all out there on the line. Say, hey, you know. I mean, the higher the higher you climb, the farther there is to fall, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then if you don't climb, you never get anywhere. Anyway, enough syllogisms from me. I know you're uh, going to be at uh, Philadelphia Wizard World Con this summer. Uh, are there any other uh, the big shows you're going to be at uh, this summer? Any of the conventions you're doing this season? Um, I'm doing a... Well, I'm going to be at the Wizard World Nashville. I'm not going to be at the Philadelphia one. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, that's okay. Because, uh, you know, I, I, w- I would love to be there, but they didn't ask me. I was surprised that they asked me to come out to the Nashville one. But... um. They, uh, I'll be at the Nashville Wizard World, um, and I'll be at Anime Blues Con next week, um, and um, I will also be. Let's see, where am I going? Is Anime Blues um, Con in in Memphis where you're located? Yeah, it's a, okay. It's in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, so I'll be doing that and um, go for the barbecue. Friday. Go for the barbecue. Stay for Martheus Wade. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the two times I've been to Memphis, I, I left just having had a great time and full, full of good barbecue. So. Oh really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know what? I've eaten so much barbecue while I'm here. I'm, I, I think I'm tapped out. I was like, gonna say I you, you have it even around you all the time, so you probably yeah. 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 You know. Um. So, um, the uh, Emmy right. Blues Con, Wizard World, um. I just finished Lexington, not in March. Um, then I'm, uh, Wizard World is in September, and then I'm doing the Memphis uh, Memphis Comics Expo, which is a one-day convention that's at the beginning of September as well. Um, and then I think I'm gonna, I think when I close it out in November, the last one I'm doing is the uh, Memphis Comics and Fantasy Convention. So I'm pretty much staying around the the, the lower half of Tennessee. Well. Uh, <laughs> You it's know, understandable, it's a, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, just because there's, you know, I got so much work to do uh, on on some of these books and some of these things that that we just, I, some things I can't talk about that just got picked up um, that I have to start working on pretty soon, and um, uh, it's 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 killer, man. It's killer. It's good. It's good. It's good, though. You know I what I mean? Say, it's but better it's just, to be busy than not to be busy, right? Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, so, you know, next year is just going to look like I just, uh, it looks like I'm just going to be all over the place, <laughs> you know, That's great. but, uh, cause this year is just a, it's, it's workhorse time. So I, I, I had, to, I was going to go to San Diego Comic-Con. Um, but I ended up not, uh, I got, I got everything situated to go, but I just, I looked at my schedule and the things that need to be out and need, things that need to be done and, you know, I'm just gonna have to put it off another year just because I, you know, I got, you know, I got, I got things that I want to be able to do. Plus, I want to be able to really, really put some promotion and some, some, some good, a good push behind Shinobi uh, Ninja Princess just because I, I really believe in it and I really hope that families can be able to read this, you know, adventure. I really want uh, young ladies to be able to read this. Um, and 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 have something in comics that they can be able to get behind more things in comics that they can be able to get behind, um, and I just hope the general general industry is able to promote it. You know, just promote fun being put back into comics and stuff. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. As a father, I mean, I have a daughter and a son, and and I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah. I, I remember yeah. comics were a lot of fun, and they just—I mean, except for a lot of the, that's why I joined Action Lab. You know, a lot of the com, a lot of the comics Action Lab put out puts out have yeah. that 
that sense of adventure, that sense of fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, the book, uh, the books we're talking about tonight, um, we've been talking to Martheus Wade. Really appreciate the time, sir. Um, Jetta tells oh, no Natasha Gawa, they're, it's available on Comixology, uh, through Action Lab, the, the remastered edition, I guess we could call it, since you went back. Yeah, some yeah, stuff. the direct cut. The HD, <laughs> HD, HD remake, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and uh, available in your previews this month is Shinobi Ninja Princess number one. Uh, yeah, number one will be out um, August twentieth. August twentieth, and uh, I, I like I said, from what I've seen so far, I'm, I can't wait to read the rest of it. It's it's looking great, man. I just I can't say enough good things about it. And uh, good luck to you, and thanks again for talking to us tonight. Oh, thank you, man. It was awesome, man. Just whenever you want me on, just let me know. Well, thank you, sir. It's uh, it's awfully. Good. Thanks again to Jeremy Holt and Martheus Wade for the interviews. I really appreciate it. Uh, Jeremy Holt's book, Southern Dog, number one, is available in previews. And um, Martheus's book, uh, Shinobi Ninja Princess, number one, is also available in this month's previews. And Jedi Tales of the Gatashigawa Remastered is available for 99 cents an issue at Comixology. That's it for uh, the June edition of the Action Lab podcast. Come back and join us in July. We'll be... Uh, talking to some more creators and uh, talking about some more great Action Lab books. Thank you very much for your time. Have a great time. 